All right, well, hey guys, uh, this is Cody here with The Leader Project. Um, me and Bradley had a chance to sit down with Ike Riker, who is the president and CEO of Must Ministries. Um, he's also got a bunch of other things on his plate that we also talk about in this episode, but uh, he just does a, such a great job with connecting with people and uh, building up relationships with people. And so we wanted to sit down with him and hear his thoughts on how younger leaders could start to do this now and, and just continue to get better at that throughout the leadership. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, we just want to thank Ike for sitting down with us and letting us pick his brain on all of this stuff. Awesome. Well, hey guys, we are here in Marietta at Must Ministries, and we're sitting down here with uh, CEO Ike Reichard. Uh, Ike, thanks so much for being here, man. Man, I'm glad to be here with young people. I'm, gl- I'm, gl- I'm glad y'all came over to the nursing home today to see me, so I'm delighted to get to be with you guys. I feel uh, like he's been waiting to use that line since we like made this meeting, and you've been like thinking about that and playing it for I've that. got them all sketched out in the back, yeah. Oh, uh, man, we've already just had so much fun getting to know you and, and talking with you. And uh, so I guess to get us started, would you just tell us a little bit of, of your story and, and what's brought you here today? Well, as far as Must Ministry side of it, uh, I was a pastor here in Cobb County. And when I first came and uh, we had the opportunity, I don't necessarily say plant a church, although I know that's the nomenclature for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We really had a different attitude. Rather than planting a church, we wanted to go reach a city. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just words. Rather than just asking someone to come to our church, we want to go out in the community and do things. So we built it on a model of going out and serving our community. And one of the things we wanted to do was to find maybe three or four really great organizations that we could go deep with, mm-hmm. where they all, rather than reinventing the wheel, who was doing a really great job, and then how could we help to provide financial resources and human resources to those organizations and be a blessing to them. And so we chose some great ones. Calvary Children's Home was a great one. Uh, Cobb Family Resources was another. And then of course, Must Ministries. And so I've been a fan of Must for many years and we helped to uh, support Must in those various ways. And so that was my first avenue. But along with pastoring a church, I was also uh, serving in corporate America. And three of my staff that reported to me were looking for opportunities to be on boards. And uh, I recommended this place called Must Ministries. As a matter of fact, when Hurricane Katrina uh, slammed the United States, our department, uh, which is called the Office of People and Culture, we came out and did volunteer days for Must Ministries, never dreaming in a million years uh, that I would be here as president and CEO. I wasn't that familiar with how a 501c3 on this side of things really operated mm-hmm. versus a church. And, there, and there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. When you're the pastor of a church, you get to interface with your investors, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, every week. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you get to preach and you get to take up the offering and people know what you're doing. You come to a 501c3 and suddenly there's a board that you're not handpicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a board that maybe you don't have those deep, long relationships with like you might have with if you have deacons or if you have an elder you know, model that you're using. And so it, it is a totally different world, but they approached me through a, a headhunting firm uh, to see if I would be interested. And my first question was, could I still pastor uh, Piedmont Church? 
And the response from the headhunter was, no, that, that would not be possible. And so I immediately said, then I'm not the right person for you mm-hmm. because I know what God's called me to do, and that's to be a pastor. And I can play it in a lot of different places. Yeah. And so uh, she um, uh, took the information, and a few months later was having a download with the team out of Muss about who they had interviewed. And one of those uh, board members that had worked for me in the corporate world and in my department uh, said, well, whatever happened with Ike Reichert? And she said, oh, he's a huge fan of Musk, uh, you know, believes in supporting it wholeheartedly. But he said that he would have to continue to be a pastor in the church and, uh, and that there was no way, she said, I told him that he could do both jobs. And those three people who worked with me in the corporate world started laughing because the whole time I had been in corporate world, I was still pastoring a church. And they said, the man doesn't sleep. And, uh, you know, that's the key. And so they decided to revisit uh, with me. And when they did, it just clicked. And so I've been uh, going on six years here now uh, at Must. Awesome, yeah. And for our listeners who don't know um, what Must does, uh, would you just tell us a little bit about what you guys do here? Basically, we touch four areas of insecurities of people and poverty will find themselves. Uh, We help people with shelter. Uh, We have a homeless shelter. We're in the process right now of trying to get a piece of property approved to be able to build a new homeless shelter because most homeless shelters are are repurposed buildings. Mm -hmm. The current one is a repurposed church. The upstairs would have been the auditorium in the church is a men's dormitory. The fellowship hall and the bottom of the church, that's the women's dormitory. Mm -hmm. But what we're finding is a uh, a changing face of those who are without homes. Mm. And right now we're turning away between two and 300 people a month uh, d- due to need. And out of that two to 300, 70% of them are women and children. Mm. So what we want to do is to build a new shelter that gives us family rooms. So we can, it's enough of a shock to a person's system to be homeless. But mm. then when you're having to split the family up within the place where they're gonna stay, that's just not the optimum of what we want mm. to be able to do. So we wanna be able to build family rooms, we wanna be able to have a wing that's designed for veterans. Um, so we, we've got great plans. So we do that, so every night there's 72 beds there. But if you look overall, we have something called permanent supportive housing. Well, we have about another 200 spaces there. So one way to think of it is under the umbrella of must each night, about 280 people uh, are laying their heads down in safety because of what we get to do. So there's housing, then there's feeding. Uh, We just finished our summer lunch feeding program and we did a little over 275,000 sack lunches. All done by volunteers. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, churches like a Cedar Crest mm-hmm. that comes in, your church, um, all of these churches just come together and provide these sandwiches. And that's one feeding program. Then we have a kitchen called Loaves and Fishes. And that kitchen right there uh, last year did over 80,000 hot meals. Yeah. Uh, for people uh, so all the all the shelter guests you know eat there but then there's a lot of other people there's some senior adults in our community that can't uh, make ends meet and so that that'll be a hot meal that they'll come over for yeah um, and then we have food pantries we have 26 food pantries inside of schools uh, elementary middle and high schools in Cobb County and Marietta City Schools. And that food pantry is uh, incredible because a lot of our clients have transportation issues. 
but a school's within walking distance of their home. And we do it through extreme couponing. So we're very, very frugal. Yeah. Uh, we get people to partner with us on an individual basis. We give you the coupons. You go to the grocery store. You spend six bucks or so, yeah. but you walk out with $30 worth of product. Wow. Mm-hmm. And something I didn't know, guys, till I came here was that if you're on food stamps, you can't get hygiene items. Wow. So imagine mm-hmm. a kid that's already got a stigma enough, maybe the way he dresses, mm-hmm. but then add to it that if he, can't, if he doesn't have deodorant, if he doesn't have shampoo, if he doesn't have toothpaste, or she doesn't have those kinds of things. And those are things that cannot be purchased with food stamps. So we, we try to do that. Laundry detergent. Laundry detergent is a luxury to a lot of people. And so we provide those things. So we provide shelter, we provide food, we provide clothing, nearly 300,000 articles of clothing this last year yeah. uh, we were able wow. to provide. And then we provide jobs hmm. and we connect people up. So last year, this organization connected 500 people into jobs that represented about $7 million back into the economy. Wow. If you extrapolate it over the last six years since we started it, uh, it's something like $35 million that we've helped to put back in the economy. And it's a win. These folks don't want to just be lazy that we deal with. They want to get a job. But a lot of times, can you imagine if you guys, if you didn't have a car, Mm -hmm. if you didn't have that transportation, if you lived out here in Cobb where there's a very reduced transit system, Mm And it just, you know, there's a lot of barriers that are there for people. We're there to help those people with their barriers. And I tell people all the time, if you want the metaphor as a picture for us, just think of us as a safety net and not a hammock. We're not here for people just to be lazy. Every day our clients get up that's in our homeless shelter and we send them out. Uh, to a job or to go interview for jobs. No one just sits around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly trying to help people. So those are the four wow. basic things. And mm-hmm. hey, by the way, you know how must, must started out? No. A youth ministry project at Powers really? Ferry nice. Road United Methodist Church. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a youth wow. minister and a group of students said, let's do something for some senior adults mm-hmm. that are having trouble getting to the grocery store and doing things. And that's how Must started out 47 years wow. ago. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Pretty cool story. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. And one of my favorite things about what you guys do, because you know, as, a ch- as churches, we feel that burden all the time of we have a heart for you know, the homeless and the struggling in our community, but we don't always have the resources or the network to do you know, something super impactful. And what's really awesome is you guys have these great resources and you partner with churches and give them a place to be able to come and serve and help and you make that connection um, for people who want to do something and so I've, I've always just loved that we've gotten to serve with you guys um, at LifeBridge and the Cedar Crest has yeah, and, yeah. Um, so yeah. just thanks for what you're doing to really give the whole community a place to come together and serve those around us man that's that's been incredible well thank you all for working with us because if it's not for the volunteers you know I mentioned the loaves and fishes kitchen and feeding 80,000 people Every bit of that's done through volunteer groups. Hmm. We, we don't have dietitians. Uh, we don't have cooks. What we have is a prep kitchen. And there's some churches that have had like the fourth Thursday for 26 years. It's insane wow. to me. I mean, I just sit back as a pastor and just marvel. I mean, we're still yeah. trying to get the right people in the nursery every week, right? <laughs> and yet here, three meals a day, and that wow. first meal is served really early in the morning. 
you got three meals a day, all done by volunteers. And wow. you know, it's the Mother Teresa model. She said, small things done with great love can change the world. Hmm. And it may not be a big deal to a church to come and to do a meal that'll feed 150 people or 180 people. But you start putting it together with all the others and what you've got is a feeding program that takes care of people 365 days a year. Yeah and never misses a beat. It's mm. uh, it's one of the most impressive things about this organization yeah. to me. Yeah. As a pastor, always having to get those volunteers yeah. and knowing that that's our lifeblood, yeah. right? Mm. In the life of a church. Same thing's true uh, in mm. a nonprofit. Mm. It's just, you don't get to see those volunteers each week. Mm. Um, we don't get to lay that guilt trip on them each week. <laughs> Why do they need to be doing this, right? And so it, it's something to watch it come together. And there, there's just times that we sat back in utter amazement uh, right. of how God provides. An example would be um, we try to help our schools in different ways. So one day we get this call, and uh, the call is from a principal. And the principal said, hey, I was going to see if y'all could maybe help us out because I, I made a promise to our school that if they achieved some certain marks, that what we'd try to do is we'd try to give, like, uh, ice cream. Uh, to all the kids, and uh, and we really don't have the budget for it. Do, do you guys maybe have ice cream there? And, when, um, and in particular, she said popsicles. And we said, no, you know, we, we, we really don't, but, you know, we can try to ask around. And the lady who had that call, when she finished, our front desk uh, reached out to her through the intercom and said, could you come up? I got a message I need to give to you. And when she went up, the message was from King of Pops. Have y'all had a King of Pops? <laughs> yes. Popsicle? Yeah. King of Pops had Amazing. all these extra popsicles. What? And was calling to see, mm. you guys have a use for this? <laughs> I mean, literally, you get off one phone call, do you guys have popsicles? <laughs> and and this was in the winter. No, we really, we really don't. <laughs> yeah. But we maybe, maybe we'll try to figure out a way to help you. And then the answer was already there. Wow. I don't think so. How many times has God done that? Yeah. Life, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, we think sometimes the absence of resources mean that resources are absent, <laughs> and they're wow. not. Uh, it's just the timing of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to work in this type of ministry, that's what makes miracles. Mm-hmm. Miracles are miracles because of timing. Uh, you guys probably experienced that when you went through college. Uh, there was probably some times where you were going, where in the world am I going to get the money for this semester's tuition? And, and then all of a sudden, something would happen. And, and I think God does that to, to build our faith and to remind us. And he gives us baby steps sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's something like popsicles. Well, right mm-hmm. now, we're looking at uh, you know, trying to build a, you know, what will probably be a $10 million uh, uh, homeless shelter. If he can provide popsicles in the winter, uh, he can provide the money for a shelter yeah. in the summer. I, I mean, I think God just gives us those baby steps sometimes just to remind us, say, don't let it be all about you. And yeah. if you've got it all figured out, you're probably not dreaming big enough. Wow. And, uh, and, and let God direct you. As a matter of fact, if you know how to get everything accomplished, I would say it's not a God-given dream. Wow. That's, that's good. That's convicting. But yeah. even just that sentence of uh, of if you're not if you have it all figured out, then you're not dreaming big enough. That I mean, that's huge. Um, I think especially for people like for our age, for anybody really, you know, that's trying to figure out like where am I going, what is God doing in my life. You know, that's such a that's I mean, that's super convicting. 
Now, um, what you guys are doing on your show is you're you're taking interviews and stories, and and they're going to encourage other people hmm. uh, because you know right now there may be a pastor that's listening to this program, and maybe that pastor is looking at starting a, a building program or expanding or maybe bringing on a staff member and they're sitting there looking at the budget and they're going, it's, it's just not there. It's not there. Mm-hmm. I had that happen to me uh, in the last two weeks. Uh, we just hired uh, our new children's pastor uh, at our church and, uh, and he's absolutely terrific. He spent the last seven years in windshed camps. And uh, so I was really excited about him coming on. And I'm a huge fan of the DISC profiles, if you're familiar with those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I teach DISC. And so um, I got his DISC profile, and I also got his wife to take it. And when I looked at their DISC profiles, I realized how they work together as a team. And I was huh. thinking, wow, I wish so bad we had the money to be able to bring his wife on as well to run our preschool him running our children, Mm -hmm. she's got the strengths and categories that he doesn't have, and vice versa. They're the perfect team because they each one embody the four strengths across the board. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there trying to figure it out, and we had had a lady who had uh, passed away in our church. She had loved our church. She loved children. Her company adopted uh, a school here in Cobb that's 100% free and reduced lunch program. Wow. She had a heart for children and a great, generous heart. And she had passed away, and uh, her family called me and said, Hey, uh, Mom left some money that she wanted you guys to have. And, uh, you know, we want you to just use it at your discretion. But if there's something you can maybe do kind of honor Mom, that, that would be really cool if there was something in there. And uh, so I, I said... How about if we hire someone to oversee our preschool and for the next two years we will name that opportunity after your mom, that that's a staff member that's here through that opportunity. And they went, that would be absolutely perfect. And they're also great supporters of MUST. And so we're doing some things here because they left some money to MUST as well. So in that situation... I'm sitting there wishing so bad that I could bring a husband and wife team in together and had no earthly idea that God was just going to flip the switch and that boom, here it is. Now go ahead and move that way. And again, it's those kinds of stories that just reinforce. I always tell people I would have made a really great Jewish person uh, because I love signs and wonders. <laughs> and if you give me signs and wonders, you know, Gideon and I would have been great friends. You know, lay out that fleece one more time. Let, let's see what God will do this time. But I think uh, we all need confirmations mm. in our life mm. and uh, to know that we're making a difference. Mm, that's and good. that's a key. I sat with uh, two headhunters earlier today uh, from a really great firm. They specialize in college presidents and things of that nature. And they knew about the work that I do with some CEOs, and they asked me a, a very perceptive question. They said, what's the biggest thing that keeps them up at night? Hmm. What's the biggest thing you run into with CEOs? And it's um, a sense of purpose. Hmm. They want to know that what they're doing counts. And wow. if they are spiritual... They want to know, is this something that's honoring God Hmm. that I'm doing? 
Because at the end of the day, I, I don't care how much success you get. I think it's Pasquale who said, we all have a vacuum, a spiritual vacuum. And we can try to fill it with a lot of things. You can try to fill it with cars. And you can try to fill it with houses. And mm-hmm. You can try to fill it with a bank account and a diversified portfolio and all of these things. But at the end of the day, it's knowing that your life has counted for something. And so... That's what you guys are doing through the program that you're you're doing. You're being that source of encouragement, that source of inspiration. So, man, I, I salute you for doing that. I think it's fantastic. Oh, I appreciate, I appreciate that. that. Yeah. 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 Speaking That's of all awesome. the different, you talk about working with CEOs, and we know that you know you have a huge leadership sphere and influence mm-hmm. and uh, that's just evident by the fact that every time we say anything about must or even before this hey we're meeting with Ike everyone we talk to said oh my gosh I know Ike he's amazing you're going to love him <laughs> and, and give me his address because he owes me money you know and, uh, and it's terrible when they show up here in Black. it really is no. well you get but, to you know you, you get to represent the Lord like I'm doing a crazy thing tonight I'm doing a thing for charity uh, for the Marietta Business Association, and it's to uh, go down the the big plunging water slide at Six Flags Whitewater. Not exactly my favorite thing to do. One, I don't like heights. Number two, I don't want to drown in the bottom of the pool with a lot of business people standing there with a cocktail going, he should be up by now. Uh, but, you know, it's an opportunity to interact in a different role yeah. in my community. And so, so many times... Christians give Christianity a bad name. Hmm. And they see us as severe. They see us always for what we're against and never for what we're for. And that's a tragedy. Yeah. Because I think if you look at the life of Christ, you see, you see what he was for. He was for a Zacchaeus. Hmm. Uh, you know, he was for the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, he, he was for people that a lot of people today that if they walked into the church and they knew the story, they would be repulsed and they would feel like they shouldn't be there. Mm. And I guess that's why Jesus didn't operate out of a synagogue or a church, but he operated out wow. in the marketplace. And that's where his greatest encounters took place, were with those people who felt ostracized and felt like they didn't even deserve to be within a spiritual framework of a building. Wow. And Jesus just took that gospel out. And, and, and that's cool. And, God, and God's given me the heart. You know, when people say, what do you do? I'm a communicator. And I communicate three things. Uh, faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Uh, I'm not the bullhorn preacher screaming at everybody that you're going to hell. Um, I'm going to be the guy that's going to be sitting there going, hey, you know what? You can be better than this. Mm-hmm. And, and you can live a better life than this. And my goal every time I speak is to inspire people. And I'm taking the Latin word there, addo, for inspire, because it means to breathe life into something. Mm. I like breathing life into people's dreams and into their hopes and into their marriage, Mm. into their business life. Uh, I can't tell you how much joy I had Saturday night. I was with a company celebrating their 20th anniversary. And uh, to have the CEO stand up, this company now employs 1,800 people. Uh, It's a pretty significant company. But that company started around uh, my dining room table uh, when this guy had lost a job and lost an opportunity and I looked at him and said why are you making other people rich hmm. you you can do this you can do your own company 
And that's what he chose to do. And he stood in front of this room full of people and talked about that. Uh, he also talked about the fact that after he chose to do that, he got sued for a non-compete and uh, that I helped to get him sued <laughs> for giving him a dream. But look at how it's turned out. 1,800 people, a uh, great company, uh, has been voted on several times as one of the best places to work in Atlanta. Wow. And, and it's so cool to know that you had that role. Mm. For that company, I serve as a chief ethics officer. So when there's an ethical situation that he's really praying about as a CEO, do we do this, do we not do this? He'll pick up the phone and call me and say, can we have lunch? Can we sit down? And then every year, I speak to the company at their annual meeting at some point. And this year was about, how do you build bigger hearts in people uh, to be able to make a, a greater impact in everyone's life? And so just to get to do those kinds of things. Another company, I'm the chief inspiration officer. and I do a program called How to Be Your Personal and Professional Best. I love those kinds of opportunities. I, I love being multidimensional to where mm. I carry it out. Um, I read a book uh, by Oz Guinness, uh, who's an extremely intellectual writer, very, very good. And uh, he was talking about calling, and the book is actually on calling. And I'd recommend it to any of your uh, readers who are trying to determine, or listeners who are trying to determine, what, what do I do yeah. about, do I have God's call in my life? And Guinness said, just always remember this, you're called to someone, meaning God, and you're called to do something, meaning what you're wired for, and you're called to do it somewhere. And he said, never let the somewhere become bigger than the someone. Wow. God can use you in corporate America as much as he can use you standing in a pulpit. If you're faithful and you're obedient, and that's where God wants you, that's where he's going to use you to your maximum. So, you know, it doesn't matter what size that church is. That's the other thing that always grieves my heart for a lot mm-hmm. of pastors. They feel like, gosh, if, you know, if we're not running 1,000 or 2,000 or 4,000 or 5,000, and that's that spirit of comparison, mm-hmm. there's always going to be somebody that's bigger. There's always going to be somebody that's cooler. There's always going to be a Zoe church where somebody now, if you're not wearing, you know, the skateboard shorts and the longer <laughs> socks and you got Justin Bieber pushing you church merch, that you're just not the coolest guy <laughs> on the planet. And if you're wearing Dockers, you are just really out of <laughs> right? And, and you're just seeing, you, you continue to see that whole comparison thing. There is not an insignificant church in God's mm. economy. So I don't care if you're gathering on Sunday and you're, you're gathering together 10 people or 15 people or 60 people in that church. You are just as significant in God's eyes as when Louis Giglio, and thank God for people like Louis at Passion and what he's been able to do, or Andy Stanley at North Point when he stands up and his leadership podcast fuels me so mm-hmm. many times to mm-hmm. listen to yeah. his leadership. And man, I thank God for those kind of churches. They inspire us all. But I also thank God for that pastor that's out there in a very hard place yeah. mm-hmm. that's out there holding the gospel, staying true to it, and you see it, and uh, it changes the world. Uh, our mm-hmm. youth intern, um, who's also a, uh, our uh, worship leader uh, that helps our worship leader he just got back from Kenya and what impacted him so much is he said they have so little but they are so joyous mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what I've always found when I, I go to those situations missions 
I always come back convicted about how much I've been blessed with and that I need to focus on what I've been given rather than always looking around for what's not there. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. Thanks for that. I think that's that's huge for every listener um, here in this, but also especially us young leaders stepping into into those spaces. Thanks for that encouragement and inspiration, man. We kind of like to, and I wish we had all day to talk with you, man, because this has just been incredible (laughs) hearing. Um, But we we like to kind of end on this question. Um, What would you have... If you could sit down with yourself at 25, um, know what you know now, um, what would, what's something, and you know, that's a big question, what's maybe something that you would have shared with you at 25? Uh, building relationships and friendships is the key to ministry. It's the mm. key to your own spiritual health. Uh, you guys wouldn't believe how many pastors I meet that are in my age category that uh, are going through a struggle and I say, man, if you got some friends, and mm-hmm. they go, I was so busy building a church. I was so wrapped up in my church wow. that I didn't ever really build friendships. My friends buoy me. I, I can't tell you how much that means. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I challenge uh, people all the time, and I challenge youth groups with, show me your five closest friends, and I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. As iron sharpens iron, so the countenance of a friend. The people wow. you're hanging around with are what's going to influence you. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's not even your mom and dad anymore. You may come back to what your mom and dad taught you at a different mm-hmm. point in life, but it becomes those people that you've surrounded yourself with and you've integrated into your life. And so at, at my 25-year-old self, I, I would probably tell myself, hey, be even pickier in who your friends are and go out and intentionally make friendships with people who can mentor you in different sectors of your life Hmm. but like here's somebody that can really help you with marriage here's Hmm. somebody that can really help you with business here's somebody that can be a mentor to you intellectually of what you need to be reading and who you need to be hearing and all these kinds of things but what you always want to do is choose a mentor who has integrity in their life and all those other areas in other words, I, I don't want to learn from a guy about how, how to do business who's been divorced and remarried six times. Because I already know what business did to him and destroyed his family. I, I, I want my family together. Uh, I want to be holistic in my approach. But different people can have different strengths where they can help, help you. And there's been different people who are in my life for a season. Uh, you guys can look across the wall and see a letter over there, and you can see a book cover and a gentleman's picture. Uh, the reason that guy's in that prominent position is his name's Zig Ziglar, and Zig Ziglar was my mentor. Oh, wow. And Zig Ziglar's first encounter with me was through one of his books that was called See You at the Top. And I was uh, at 22 years old, I was at a dead end, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know which way to turn. And someone handed me a book that this man had written called See You at the Top. And when I finished that book, my life was being dramatically transformed. Mm -hmm. I just accepted Christ the year before. I did not grow up around Christianity uh, at all. And so I had accepted Christ. I was trying to figure out what God wanted to do in my life. Mm-hmm. I read that book called See at the Top. The first goal that I set was to go to college. Mm-hmm. That was my first goal. And I did everything he tells you to do in the seven steps of goal setting. And uh, 
I was I was the C and D student all the way through high school. So my dad was always saying to my mother, "At least we know he's not cheating." I mean, <laughs> you know, look at these grades. Our boy's dumb, but he's honest. And uh, and so uh, I go to college frightened to death. Hmm. I graduated magna cum laude. I did it in two years and one wow. quarter because my priorities had changed. Mm-hmm. Zig said in a book about me years later called Over the Top, he said, Ike Reichard went from being a wandering generality to becoming a meaningful specific. In other words, I had no intentions to my life. I had no intentionality, no sense of purpose. And everything changed. Never dreamed that we would become personal friends. Never dreamed that we would co-author a book. That's what that cover is uh, that's on the plaque over there on the wall. And that uh, one day I would actually end up doing um, and helping to conduct Zig's funeral uh, at the request of his family because we had become so close through the years. And there's even a book called Sheltering Trees that chronicles our friendship. And um, it says that a friend is like a sheltering tree. Hmm. And uh, and we were featured in that book, our friendship, along with uh, other people's friendships and what they mean to you. But I would just tell you, you know, that's what I tell my 25-year-old self. And I tell myself, hmm. nobody should ever be your best friend more than your spouse. Because hmm. hmm. your best friend ought to be the person who brings out the best in you. Hmm. And if your spouse is the one who's bringing out the best in you, then I guarantee you, it will put a dynamic to your life and to your ministry that nothing else can take the place of. When things aren't right at home, you never feel right standing in that pulpit. You never, mm-hmm. you never feel worthy. Uh, you never feel like you have the moral authority to mm-hmm. say certain things if your own life is flailing and your own mm-hmm. marriage is failing. So those friends, starting with your spouse and then getting key people in your life that they're living holistically, the kind of life that you'd like, but maybe each one of them has a certain thing that you want to learn from mm. them and, uh, and get those people to invest in you. And when you do, um, it's a really cool journey. And then you're going to get the chance to be that friend to people. Yeah, and yeah. you're going to be able to pour into their life. And uh, and that's just, to me, that's what makes life rich. Yeah. I can't, I just don't think God ever meant for Christianity to be a solo journey. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's Thanks good. for that. I seriously Thank you guys. Really appreciate yeah. you taking the time and sharing with us. It means a lot. Honored yeah. to be with y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah.